I think the freedom, the artistic freedom when it comes to design is not the fact that like how far can you just take your imagination, but it's more so how creatively and how cleverly can you work with the constraints that you have. So today we're gathered here to talk about design and our friend Shimona happens to have years worth of experience in user experience design, software engineering, correct me if I'm wrong at any point, digital arts. And so we wanted to pick her brains about design and answer some burning questions that we had because I am potentially an aspiring designer um, but design is also something we use in our everyday lives. And I feel like doing it as your job must be really interesting because then you kind of start to recognize it in a lot of places. Um, so to start off, what brought you to design, Shimona? Oh, to design. What brought me to design? So, well, firstly, I just want to say I'm excited about this topic. Uh, Shivani mentioned it a few days ago and I was like, ooh, this is going to bring up some interesting thoughts on the field, some good stuff, some bad stuff. So let's see what my brain can come up with. But what brought me to it? Yeah, well, I guess growing up, I've always been into some form of art. Like I think a lot of us are, like whether it's painting or drawing or sketching or dancing I was always very into like colors and making things and arts and crafts and it wasn't until I reached college where a lot of that stopped I majored in computer science and I went from that from like the creativeness as a kid to this like black screen white text code just quite the opposite and so I was really missing some visual component or some kind of pizzazz and I, I think art in general can be applied to a lot of fields and you can say that you're like being artistic when you're coming up with a cool algorithm or something but that's not the kind of art that I mean here so yeah I was uh just felt kind of like I was lacking uh even though I was still enjoying my CS classes I knew I wanted something more and I came across I think it was just a flyer it was on the daily digest newsletter which is like what's happening in Yukon. And there was an ad for the digital arts minor, which uh, started off with an introduction to various aspects of digital arts. So you did a project in all different parts of it. Like we did, a, I think screen printing was one, graphic design was one. What else? Oh, video animation was one. Various things within the digital arts realm. And so I thought that was really intriguing. And yeah, immediately signed up for the course. And it was the web design section that stood out to me because it was, I'm, I felt like there was a connection between what I was doing between, with my CS classes and then what I was doing in the web design course. And I was like, wait a minute, I think there's a way I can combine these two. So looking more into it, uh, discovered front-end development. And then it wasn't actually until a YouTube spiral I went on that I discovered UX UI design. And I just, I think the way it was presented to me was what really drew me to it. It was just very like sexy, like, oh, you get to like answer all these like burning questions and look at all these like wireframes and working in a room and collaborating. And uh, it's just, it could be applied anywhere. So yeah. And then ever since then, I was just very keen on like getting internships and experience and freelancing. And that's kind of where my experience went on. So to answer your question, I think I've always been intrigued by the arts and then I kind of just want to keep it in my life. And this was a way for me to do that. But then design is kind of like logically applied art. So it's not just a pretty thing but it's like a, a thing that's pretty but efficient and should be working well and like make the experience better for that person which is why that design decision was made so I thought that was a really interesting mixture of like both parts of my mind that I like applying the both the the rationality but the the delight 
I guess. <laughs> I love I love logically applied art. That's so cute. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I feel like that describes you you well as well. Oh. Yeah, you totally are like a log- logically applied work of art of a human. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> so <emotional>. fresh. <laughs> I love it. So what inspires you in your work? Like, do you feel inspired as an artist, um, inspired to use design in a logical way? Like what's... Hmm sparks that inspiration for you in the in the work uh well a big part of it is the problem that I'm solving I would find it hard to I think come up well okay so like kind of two parts of the question um one part I think design in general like as a field inspires me from the designers that I know in the field and like not just like know personally but just know of like people out there that are doing really cool design research or have design studios and the kinds of problems they've tackled with sustainability or urban planning. And that's, those are issues. There are issues that I've seen in the world that I really feel strongly about and that I've seen being solved through design. And I find that very inspiring, but in, a ter- in terms of like me on the project I'm working on, I, it would have to be the mission that I'm working towards and the specifically the problem that I'm solving would have to be or would ideally be something that I feel strongly about like I would find it hard to gain as much motivation to come up with a design for uh let's say like layout for a fracking company you know like I would find that hard to be like okay yeah let's like get in the zone and like what how should this look like and all those questions that have to come as you design versus like if I had to design the layout for a school or something like that would be like oh okay like let's think about all the things that I really wanted in the educational experience and how like creating like collaborative spaces and how can we have like little work areas for the students and like that's something that just education inspires me or excites me I guess so uh yeah I think the mission is pretty important in terms of getting that motivation. I um, remember, I don't know if we were watching that, watching this or just talking about it, but um, we were watching the social, or talking about the social dilemma and how like, I feel like you were talking about ethical, like software design for like social media platforms where like Instagram makes it highly addictive and like intentionally designs their app to be more addictive to like hook people in and I can see how that would be like fucked up like UX design things whereas Mm -hmm. if you're like yeah designing something like maybe like what's that website Ecosia or something where it's like Google but so it's like uh, I think it's called Ecosia E-C-O-S-I-A or something but it's basically just a search engine but every time you search something it they like plant a new tree or something or like the money they get oh. from you searching yeah so it's like so if you design that like something that makes that highly addictive that's probably like a lot more or like better more user-friendly or whatever I'm right than like highly addictive Instagram yeah I mean a lot of those companies also hire like PhD psychologists to have them pair with designers and figure out what is the best way to like really get in someone's head and like get them hooked like the science of like yeah right yeah I don't I don't know it's but I I think we also talked about this how in the in the social dilemma they like there are people who created the YouTube algorithm that are like I don't allow my kids to use YouTube because like they know they know (laughs) and and yeah, and I guess you, it's like compartmentalizing, I guess that's a word where you like separate your two parts of your identity because people do that yeah. and then they go home to their kids and it's just like, that didn't happen. I'm going to put that aside. Yeah, which dinner. like, how do you not feel like, uh, it is like, that is like compartmentalization is the sole reason why we have like corporations and conglomerates that are able to function and even like the entire pharmaceutical industry 
be as prevalent as it is because people are able to separate like this horrible shit that's happening way on the other side of the world or like that will happen like 50 years from now or let's face it right now because global warming is like right here um, <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> yeah in an hour um, <laughs> um, but yeah otherwise I don't think if we were able to actually let what's it called if we were able to drive our ambitions into every aspect of our life I think we would be societally in a much better place. Mm -hmm. If we took more uh, like an ethical charge over all of the parts of that we do, how we are in the world. Like if we took more ownership in like this, this part of my identity and that part of my identity. Yeah. Or even just like, like your, your ambition to like raise your children well and like give them a good future if that also translated into your career choice Mm. maybe you would like want to better do something good for society or something I don't know yeah my two cents the the payment the like financial part totally reflects what our values are as a society just the fact that if you could choose something based on your own ambitions and your own moral code, then you probably won't get paid the same amount as the person creating the algorithm for YouTube. And it's just sad that like good design or efficient design is an equivalent to like ethical design, it seems. Mm -hmm. I will say also like, if you are gonna be a designer in any company, it's and there's no way you're going to avoid like companies get better via metrics everything is measured and money is obviously going to be the oxygen for the company so there's no way to avoid being like I don't want to make designs that are about like just getting more clicks or more users or more uh more people hooked because at the end of the day those numbers and those metrics translate to money and the company needs money so yeah you're probably going to be working on things that that do come down to how can we get people more onto this page how can we get people more onto like how can we get people to give us their credit card and at the end of the day those are some of the questions you do answer it's not always about like you know just like nice questions that match your moral compass but because a company is a company and you have to like make sure they're getting revenue so there is that, but um, yeah, I think between that, there's a line between that and like making things addicting for the sake of being addicting and knowing that you're like exploiting people's brains, I guess. Yeah. But at least you'll generate a profit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause I mean, even the designers that indeed I like looking at them and like answering some of their questions or, or seeing like the questions they're thinking about, it's like, how do we get more employees employers to sponsor their jobs because and why do we want people to sponsor their jobs because that's how we make money because when you sponsor a job where they're like giving a credit card so yeah i'm sure they're not like stoked about like oh how do we like get employers money but i mean that's at the end of the day like that is a metric that needs to be improved as much as possible so yeah Oh, but then like alongside that, they're also thinking about like, oh, how can we help employers manage their candidates better? So it's like, it's back and forth. Like some days you'll be designing things that align with you and you're really passionate about. Some days it's just more of like, oh, this is just what needs to be done. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like at Indeed you're able to take on projects that kind of serve that higher purpose of like making people's lives easier and more user-friendly? I would say so. Yeah. Cause I have also, I'm not on like a specific, I'm on the employer side, but like not on a specific team with an employer. So I've done, I've like helped solve for like various pain points of employers, uh, like reducing biases in when they're picking candidates who have been uh, applying for their jobs. Or again, like I mentioned, like the managing candidates, that was a more recent project. What else? Sometimes it's just like, I have also worked on the pricing page, which again, that's just the part where they're putting their credit card information in. So yeah, it's like some of that and some of just other parts of being an employer. So it varies quite a bit. 
Yeah, like when, when you're working on those projects, do you feel like you have like artistic freedom that kind of feeds that need to be like more creative and artistic that you have? I think the artistic freedom has changed a bit uh, because we've also in the past year or so we've gotten a, a more clear-cut design system so which basically means a bunch of different components like buttons and card layouts spinners like all these little things like features and snippets you'd see on a web page have been pre-decided how they should look and interact by the design systems team and so I think I would imagine like a lot of in terms of like creating a mock-up or creating a new experience it could be you're while you're working with these components and see what you can do with it and sometimes the the designs you can vary it a little bit but ideally you want to stick to like the the components that were given because you want to make sure the brand is consistent so yeah I think there's there's some room for creative expression but it's also important to note that design without constraints is like never going to happen. Like whenever you design for anything, you're always going to have constraints. You're always going to be like wanting to do like this and this thing and have this like whole wide array of possibilities. But then you realize that your audience is everyone above 70 and you can't do that because they might not be able to use that feature in a certain way. Like something will always come up where you're like, oh, actually we can't do that because of budgets. We can't do that because of timeline or whatever. So um yeah, you do have, I think the freedom, the artistic freedom when it comes to design is not the fact that like how far can you just take your imagination, but it's more so how creatively and how cleverly can you work with the constraints that you have? That's where like the freedom comes in or expression, I should say. So I've, I've read like time and again that to be a user experience designer requires a lot of empathy and not designing something the way that you would want to use it, but instead really like putting yourself in the shoes of the user. And so is is that challenging to try and imagine yourself as maybe someone who's totally different from you and how they interact with something? Yeah, it can be. Uh, yeah, designers are not users is like something, like a motto that's constantly pushed out in the industry because I mean, I, I think this is also becoming more and more prevalent nowadays with a lot of tech uh, companies speaking out how the, the teams that are at these companies are not reflecting the users that they're designing for. Like for a very long time, most of Apple's senior leadership was all men. And you're like, well, you're designing and building apps and phones for the world. Like you don't, you think you should get a little more like diversity in your voices. So I think that's getting better, but to kind of ease that, the difficulty of putting yourself in someone's shoes or designers have come up with so many different ways to go about gaining that experience or gaining at least that empathy for their audience or their users, like uh, having user personas or user stories or creating use cases. And a lot of this is usually done ideally with other designers or other people. It doesn't have to be designers, but just other people in the room because that gets helps you like kind of get your brain juices flowing and you know that someone else in the room could maybe bring in a perspective that you didn't think about. So that's, there are ways to like maybe go to kind of combat or to gain a sense of empathy. If you're feeling like, I really have no idea where to go with this audience. I, I've never designed for someone like this. I don't know where to begin. Then you can start with those different features that are out there for designers to gain empathy. But Uh, Then it also comes back to sometimes, like, let's say you're designing for something that you do use. That's kind of where you have a leg up, maybe. Like, if you're on a designer on the Headspace team and you're like, oh, I actually use Headspace all the time. So maybe a little bit easier versus, like, like I was saying earlier, if you were designing for something that you feel very, like, morally misaligned with, then that would be probably even more challenging to, like, put yourself in someone's shoes that's, like, anti-abortion you know because you're just like I don't know I don't get it (laughs) so (laughs) um yeah 
Yeah. Do you feel like it's affected kind of how you see design in your everyday life? For sure. I think to the point where I might be annoying people too, or I'm like, oh, like, look at the layout of this room. Like, it's, it's just so perfectly like set up in a way to like guide conversation and the lighting is just like all smoky and like, you know, I've just all these things that I'll notice or yeah, just how like my desk is set up and is it, is it optimal for me being like focused or is it, there's just too much stuff that I wouldn't actually use regularly. So is it distracting me or um, even just thinking like using design thinking methods to like plan my day or thinking about how to like go from a place A to place B, like what's the most optimal route? What's the most efficient thing? And just those like techniques that you're always exercising whenever you're creating or whenever you're designing something would, I would say would come up a lot uh, in general, just um, in my day-to-day. Yeah. I feel like that's like a really, or like what I was kind of getting at with like the whole translating your ambitions into like every part of your life. Cause I feel like now you're more cognizant of why you're doing what you're doing. And I guess like, even when you're like doing little things in your day, you're kind of working towards one thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, hopefully that just gets stronger as I get more experience in design. I'm sure people who are like senior and managers and designer are like that, but like times 10, 20. So. Yeah. And it just seems like such a perfect job for you. Like it, it just makes so much sense that you are a designer. Yay. <laughs> but, um, so what do you do in your day to day? Like if you had to explain to someone who's never heard of Indeed before, how would you explain your job? So my day-to-day at Indeed is more coding heavy. For the design front at Indeed, I'll mostly like work with designers to talk about good next steps or like iterations on a design. But with design in positions that I've had where I was like just doing design and not development or like more design focused, it varies a lot. Uh, It kind of depends on where like you might, you'll probably be embedded on some kind of a project or maybe you'll be on multiple projects. It depends on like the size of your team, how many designers are available and where they need you the most. So you could be at different points at different projects. So maybe like one project uh, you need a, to create some kind of an ad for, like design an ad for this project, but this other project hasn't really been started yet. So you need to start brainstorming some ways you wanna build the, the first page for the website. Or, and then this other project has already this app has been launched, but you need to uh, go back and fix some changes you couldn't make the first time. So you'll kind of tackle projects based off of timeline and mostly timeline and urgency and what the company needs, but it could vary any, like from anything in the whole product design thinking life cycle from ideation to prototyping, to testing, to iterating wireframe mock-ups all of that it could be any of those things in any given day for different projects or different uh yeah different projects because they're all could be at different stages so like for example one of the projects that I was leading design on I was doing like branding the colors and creating the logo at the same time that I was thinking about what the main homepage should look like. And then I was at the same time, I was, once I kind of set up the branding, I was creating a style guide for the engineers. And so, yeah, it just, as much as you can do at once, but like in some kind of logical order and what the team or company needs the most. Yeah. And so does the length of time you spend on each part of that process depend on the project itself? Or is it pretty like clear across the board how much time, like prototyping, for example, will take? Like, do you all, yeah. I would say it really varies on the scope of the project. Like if it's, let's say you, uh, the homepage is not doing well. Like people just keep, they land on the homepage and then they leave in like 10 seconds. 
And so if it's just a matter of figuring out what the issue is, then like having that brainstorming session, narrowing down the problem, then going to like create a solution and prototyping, that can be a very long phase. But also if your problem is we need to like build our mobile application, what should it look like? Like that's a very different problem. And that, that's going to start from a very different phase. And depending on uh, if you're like just redesigning a modal versus like redesigning an entire homepage, it could take a very different amount of time. And if there's more or less designers on the team, uh, how many people you're like getting feedback from, how many users you have available to test your designs and the timeline that's from your manager, your company, that's also pretty critical. So yeah, it kind of, it varies quite a bit. Uh, and I guess your own sense of like work ethic and time management. <laughs> do, do you feel a lot of stress in like the day-to-day? With, with no. uh, I would say it goes in cycles. I think I'm in a much better place when it comes to work stress now than I was in say like 2018, 2019. I think I took work to like almost like a little, I would say, I guess like personally is maybe the, the right word where I felt like if I wasn't doing well, like, like I, I took it like very much like, oh no, like that's terrible. Like I need to be almost like the whole, like you need to work twice as hard to prove half as much being a woman, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So I, I feel like I like put a very high like standard on myself to like be at my best all the time. And that has loosened up a lot uh, throughout the years, but uh, in terms of, I wouldn't call it stress, but I, I would say there are, there are seasons of busy periods. So, and it's usually around testing time for developers, at least. So if you're like working on a new design, depending on what point in the design phase you're in, it could be much more hectic. And then maybe you're like having to tackle on another project on top of that. And then another one and that could be a really busy season, but then let's say your project just launched and you're, you have a break from that other project. So you only have two projects now. And so it doesn't have to be constantly, it's not like constantly stressful or busy, I should say, but again, it also depends on like, if you're working in a design studio or with other designers, but also this reminds me, um, I met this woman in Austin who I think she was, she was like some lead person at like, Disney or something like, or some media broadcasting show. And I remember saying to her, oh, wow, like that sounds like a quite like a busy job. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I can get really busy sometimes. And I was like, oh, do you ever get like stressed out or does it ever get stressful? And she's like, oh, I don't let work stress me out. And I was so taken aback by that because it, she did. She never said at work doesn't get stressful. She said, I don't let it stress me out. So that was like a key distinction that she, it, it just was like so profound to me that, and she said it so casually, just like, no, 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 this is how I am. And work is work and I'll do my best at it as much as I can, but I'm still like a mom. I'm still a friend. I'm still all these other things and I'm going to prioritize that as well. And I just really appreciated that. And I feel like it inspired me to kind of put my work in its place and be like, okay, I can I can do well and do, do as well as I can and do what I can outside of that, but I'm not going to let it dictate my emotions when I'm not at work or when, or just in general. Yeah. I thought that was really powerful. She was just kind of like, no, that's, we're not going to let that happen. I, so, I really agree with that though. I feel like I am definitely like that because especially like last couple of weeks, I was doing like two jobs at once and I was putting in like mm. crazy hours. Um, but I was I don't know. It's weird. As soon as I logged off, I was like, fuck it. I don't care. Cause yeah. uh, like they're only paying me for my time on my laptop. They're not paying me for the anxiety I have after. Exactly. Um, yes. Living yeah. Right in your brain. Yeah. This might be why I drink so much, but uh, yeah, no, fuck that <laughs> work. Work's done as soon as I log off. Right. And I think there is like, that doesn't have to mean that, oh, well, you're just not being like ambitious or you're not trying hard enough because 
I don't think you need to get into like an unhealthy cycle with work and like overworking yourself for you to prove that you need a promotion or whatever. I think you can enjoy what you do out of balance and still be good at it. And I, and I think there's, that's something that you just have to kind of like measure out and like feel out day to day. And of course there's going to be days that I'm working later than others. And of course that's going to happen, but it's, it's like a balance, you know, you don't want to, there's only so much you can do that's in your control, but what is in, in your control is not letting that work get to your head. So, yeah. And I think that's also a very American uh, ideal where they, they think it's, you don't deserve the promotion or you don't deserve something over someone else because you're not constantly panicking about it. And it's, that's not true is maybe your, the quality of your work is still better. And the quality of your work tends to be better when you're not stressed about it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, it's just a job. Like, I mean, for us, my company outsourced a bunch of people just at the flick of a finger. Is that a phrase? I don't know. But a bunch of people just got sacked in through like one email. The, the company does ne- like never cares about you more than you care about it. And it's just like not fair to yourself to care that much about your job. Mm-hmm. As I, I think this very strongly. I, <laughs> people, people who are obsessed with their job irritate the fuck out of me because I'm like, they don't care about you. Yeah. And I, I feel like I grew up watching like my dad just descend into his workaholic ism workaholicism I don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's an it's a word now (laughs) yeah like it seems like it should be and so I I always saw that growing up and thought that's just normal and even like now I realize how he is such a professional at his core that it's hard for him to like turn it off sometimes also I I hope he never listens to this I love you dad (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I mean you're just saying he's working he works really hard which I think is normal for a lot of like uh immigrant parents Mm -hmm. who like come to a new country they're like work 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 I need to get a lot of money for my family like I don't know what this country is like I don't know how we're gonna like like finances are very un un undefined I guess they don't really know like how much they're gonna spend in a given month and so they get into Mm -hmm. this like habit of like and a lot of our moms were not working when they first came here. So they were really like the sole provider. And so they probably developed yeah. a sense of like, got to make money. I mean, also, like, I think with Indians in general, like for mm. me growing up, my parents made a large part of my identity, my school life or my career path choice. And even right now, like for I pick up the phone, how's work going? Like, and I, a lot mm. of people, I think they're instinct is to group your personality with your career choice or work ethic or whatever but I mean it's we shouldn't make it as big a part of our identity as we do Mm -hmm. yeah because like you said like in capitalism we are all replaceable yep there's really any job where if you quit they they won't find someone else to replace you like as soon as they can you know even if they're literally like yeah if I don't finish something that I was like supposed to finish like the like today or yesterday or something I'm like what are you gonna do fire me fucking do it (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready (laughs) and with technology too like you're you're so irreplaceable like toll booths remember when toll booths were a thing you like got a a ticket from a person and paid money and now it's all just cameras they just take a picture of your license plate and you're easy pass not even stopping yeah it's wild i miss that little human interaction i know oh i don't they're always angry never (laughs) had change (laughs) yep um but i but also jobs are more replaceable now too like on from on the other end where if I were to get fired right now, I could probably find a job, you know, within six months or so. Mm-hmm. And I get a nice little vacation. So. <laughs> and COVID has just totally upended any sense of stability we had like in our job. It's kind of made me realize like my job can just totally like treat me like shit out of nowhere. And I, I don't know, like when I got COVID and I like was expected to use my sick leave as like my recovery time I was just like wow they really just see me as an inconvenience you know because I had COVID 
it's so wild too because there's like a teacher shortage like out of any the any of the three of us you're the least replaceable I think yeah (laughs) my dad will even say I don't know why he's come up twice now but like you know you never know with how technology is going maybe teachers will be just holograms from like China or or I don't know, like Aiden could be teaching a science lesson to kids across the world virtually. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like we learned that's not possible though. Like with how much like ch- people have, your kids have suffered in COVID doing completely virtual learning. I think you need like in-person interaction to learn things. Yeah. And I, I definitely think schools need to be revolutionized and just like oh, more yeah. technology centered than they are right now. Like there's still so, just so much paper being used all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, I would like to find like a replacement to school though, in terms of like the socialization and just learning how to interact with other human beings. Like, I, I don't know what a good replacement to that would be that we could, I don't know. This is, this is off topic. Humanoids. <laughs> if that does happen, I don't think that would be within like any of our lifetimes or like future lifetimes, if there is a, some kind of teacher replacement, but also yeah. Sal Khan even said, like, guru of education reform said that I don't think 100% virtual teaching is a good idea in any, in any case. Like, there needs to be some in-person, whether it's even just, like, tutoring or asking for help or, like, some kind of, what do they call those? Office hours. Something like yeah. that needs to be, like, in-person. And it's funny because a lot of people, I feel like, not who did not have to deal with teaching kids or being a student during the pandemic we're like well look now we don't need schools anymore like everything can go virtual meanwhile all the teachers and students are like absolutely not this is a nightmare bring me back to school I need to be facing the children so yeah yeah, I think there's a lot more we have to figure out before we're like oh yeah let's just make education remote because there's yeah it's you're missing a very big component of like the human to human the body language that connection the like playing with building blocks using my hands like I want to be there and like doing that so I don't want to be just like doing it on my desk alone yeah and like like peers like you don't learn your like social behaviors properly if you're not regularly with people your age like learning them together right Right. yeah or even now the girls in my homeroom are getting into that phase where they're like, she was talking about me. Like she was doing this, like she was talking behind my back. Like, <laughs> like, like I remember going through that phase too. And I learned so many like weird, small lessons out of that. Yeah. That really make you into a human being, like an adult who just like knows how to handle a conflict. Cause mm-hmm. unless you go through those like small daily conflicts and you're just at home behind a computer screen like life is just so much harder because you never learned when you were That's young. so true. And now it's like, they're trying to, I think, like simulate those behaviors through social media to an extent with, you know, I don't know, like TikTok and stuff like that, where I don't know, like people are like, oh, like my boyfriend was in this girl's Snapchat and he must be cheating or I don't know, like making some, I feel like it does not translate the same as if you like, saw the guy you liked walking with the girl that he liked like holding right. hands I feel like and then they both translate differently she uh, touched his locker yeah right <laughs> how dare she yeah, there's so much that's unsaid on the internet whereas in person there it's like like you have the body language like so much of how we communicate is body language and virtually like your brain just has to do so much more work and probably comes up with way more scenarios. What's going Mm -hmm. on? Yeah. And incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Just like, um, because if if you see this happening in front of you, you learn the proper response IRL. But if it's happening virtually, then you don't know what the proper response or you don't really learn the proper response. I feel like in real life, you learn it like internet etiquette, which is not going to help you. Yeah. That's scary to think like, even though kids are back in schools now, like so much of their socialization is online, which kind of goes back to our 
discussion about design. Like, do you think these websites are designed with like future generations? Full circle. <laughs> well, two points actually before um, get to that question. But I was thinking about how the so the girls who code thing I did in New York that was in person. How different that was from the one that I did virtually. Because if you ask the girls in the New York in the New York City session about like what was their highlights of that teaching experience, I doubt they would say like, "Oh, I learned so much about web design." No, what they enjoyed was the connections they made with each other. Like they had so many good memories. They were like filming TikToks together, and they like a lot of like a lot of them paired off into different groups and like got lunch together. And it was it was very clear that they were like making friends and like talking and enjoying each other's company. Who knows how much they return knowledge retain knowledge wise, but I know for a fact that they enjoy just like having that peer to peer connection and like meeting people from different backgrounds. But then the one that was virtual, none of them made friends because like you're not gonna go like DM someone on Zoom be like, hey, so like how are you liking the class? You know. <laughs> so yeah, they probably learned a lot more, and I guess in some cases it's helpful for if you're like doing a boot camp and you like really need a certain amount of like concentrated information to like get to a certain point. But I, I was a little bit sad because they definitely did not get the same kind of like girl networking technology that's needed when you're like a woman in STEM that like the first girls and the, the girls in the first cohort did. So, yeah, I don't think in person is um, going away anytime soon until we have like a really good solution. But yeah. That's that was, a really good point. Oh, wait, sorry. Make go do your two. No, no, that, that, that was the end of that first. Okay. Point, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought, thought that was like a really good point that I didn't really think about um, how like the having like women to women interaction do things that are in STEM that you don't generally see other women doing is very important. Mm-hmm. Cause like for like my doing mechanical engineering at UConn, there was a class of like 200, 300 people. And there were only three women in our graduating class we started out with a lot more but it was one of the most dropped out of majors by women I think in general like across the world um and maybe if we had more and we didn't talk to each other not like I think we just didn't really have classes because there's like 300 people um but there was like no solidarity with like encourage I mean especially men are fucking ruthless, man. (laughs) They will like take your ego down (laughs) to a little pulp. Um, So I think it was just like, I mean, they're just like, no, your answer is wrong. Like you, like you, mine's definitely right. Turn up at class. You were right. And you just lost 10 points because you fucking listened to this idiot. Um, So that's why we need more encouragement from women. So they can also learn the behavior of, I might be right. Like, like not just immediately people pleasing in yourself into like I'm wrong and I and I think you don't learn that unless you have like women doing STEM together right yeah and institutions have to be so intentional about creating networking opportunities and not just expecting like women to to tough it out and have a good story at graduation about how resilient they were like there, there has to be those opportunities in place for you to connect with other women so that your, your statistics, your metrics can show that like women were supported and mm-hmm. major. Yeah. You, know, you can just leave it up to chance that women will stay and then pub, like an article will be, will be published about your university. Like you got to. Yeah. Be, yeah. There is a weird like ego boost. I think that many women have with being like the only one. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, get out of here. (laughs) You go be the only one by yourself (laughs) in a room. Go home. No, I'm kidding. I mean, obviously (laughs) we need more women, but yeah, that's just so (laughs) annoying. I'm like, no, everything is better when we're all together yeah right and it's like I'm the first one to be like I don't know what I'm doing like please someone show me what to do yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm glad you mentioned that Jitha. that's that's very much a thing yeah I fucking hate it and it's always like those women who become bosses or whatever yeah. who like don't help other women or are harsher on women because they're like well I had to be put through the ringer like now you do too the 
the what is it the double agent for the patriarchy that's yes. what they are yes the, the uh, female the stem version of the double agents yeah because it's not really radical for you to be in a position of power if you're just like wielding that same power that tried to put you down yeah you should make changes strides do better yeah, it's, it's just hard to consider yourself radical if you are still working for the for that company. I don't know, like, how, how do you act as, like, a radical agent of change and not a double agent? Yeah, when you don't just quit or something. Um, well, I think it, like, maybe, because, like, there's, like, um, I, I forgot what it was called, but we have, like, a, like a cultural team thing. And, oh, I mean... Yeah. Uh, what is that? Uh, resource group. I think resource groups, inclusive resource groups. IRG. Probably, yeah, probably. I haven't heard of it, but um, that would make sense. Uh, but they do cool stuff like volunteering for, I don't know, like doing like backpack, making backpacks for schools and stuff like that. Um, but I, f- I feel like you have to maybe do more like diversity and inclusion trainings or but then I don't know how far do those go? Like, I feel like it's always a company culture that you have to change. And at the root of, I know my company culture, it's very like boys clubby and oh. inappropriate questioning and all that great stuff. But I did have your point made me think of another point, but I have another point after that, that I want to say after the girls do code thing. But another thing that differentiating between that virtual and in-person like studying sessions. Another reason why I'm like, I'm still a big fan of in-person teaching is because it creates more room for serendipity that you don't get in a virtual environment. So there were times in the, in the in-person teaching session when the girls, when there was a little bit of downtime or they maybe were just like kind of packing up and the girls would ask me questions, just like, what's it like being an engineer? Or like, what was your biggest struggles in, in CS? Or like, why did you choose CS? Um, or just like getting to know me or like me getting to know them and just like having those fun conversations. Or I filmed like a TikTok dance video with them, like nothing to do with CS, but they were just kind of like, oh, like join in. And I was just during a lunch break and all these like little moments that just pop up and add to the experience and add to the feeling of it being this like coherent or cohesive group and we're kind of like in this together versus in the virtual class it's the only times we would meet is during the class session which is like me and like 30 other people and like this giant zoom screen no one's gonna just pause and be like so Shimona I was just wondering in the middle of my like me lecturing why did you choose UConn like you know like that's not gonna come up or it was either that or they had office hours and there'd be again like six, seven girls in that office hour. So, and it, it would just be focused on the material. So yeah, it was very much like, hi, here's the stuff Bye, hi, here's the stuff Bye, versus like in the, in person, it, you know, you having that, I think that's very important to have that kind of like, again, I know you hate this word, Chitra, but the lubrication, the social lubrication <laughs> of just like the conversations flowing in and out and like getting to know each other and that, that those kinds of stuff for it to happen naturally, which is when it happens the best, is not going to happen in like this like Zoom panel where everyone just kind of like, okay, well, the next lecture is, uh, you know. So that was my one point. Any thoughts on that before I go to my next point? Well, I think it also like I I didn't really think about that that like after class interaction because that's very true, and I think that's also when like people befriend teachers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um. Also, like the the level of engagement between um, like Zoom classes and like in-person classes, you can kind of like make eye contact with someone and maybe they look like they want to answer the question, but like they're a little hesitant and then the teacher would be like, go ahead, say it. But like that would never happen through Zoom. So and then also like I can fuck around in a Zoom class, which I, you know, like obviously (laughs) like literally just mute the class and have the TV going in the background or something. Um, which like I, like even if you want to learn it's just easy to give yourself distractions when as if you're like in a classroom setting you can't do that so yeah 100 percent. there's this one girl who was always like kind of like a little bit more behind than everyone else and 
I didn't want to like in a zoom call, like, what do I do? I guess I could just keep DMing her, but that would be distracting and take away from my lecture. So either me or the TA would just kind of like, look at her, give her like a little eyebrow raise. And she would just give us a thumbs up. Like she's good to go. Like it, in, in the in-person, it was so much easier. And it felt so much less of a call out than me being like, so Samantha, are you with us now? <laughs> Can I move on? <laughs> so um, That's such a big thing. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. Continue. That was it. Oh, um, just like with kids who do need that little extra push, I can just like stand next to them and guide them through it instead of like almost publicly shaming them, like on a Zoom call, if I have to redirect them for something. Like there was this one kid when I was virtual and he made his like Zoom background, the Playboy bunny. And I had to like say in front of the whole class, like, okay, um, I'll I'll use a different name. I don't know, John. Like cha- change wait, your wait. What was his zoom background? Sorry, I just I was just what gonna... about me? wait. What the Playboy? Playboy? <laughs> okay, oh my god! I meant I meant the logo, like the Playboy. Logo. Oh, okay. One of those is significantly <laughs> less bad than the other. <laughs> and so I had to say for the whole Zoom class, like because he wasn't responding to my DMs or changing it, like okay, you need to change your background. And so that probably caused everyone in the class to like look through and try and find his background. But if it yep. was the person, I could just like go up to him and be like, hey, like, let me talk to you for a second. And then- yeah, or it would be a non-issue because you can't do that. You <laughs> yeah. can't have a background in person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just walk around with a Playboy sign. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> change your background please (laughs) (laughs) um so going back to our discussion about like how the patriarchy kind of manifests in a professional setting is ux design does it lean more like male dominated female dominated is it a mix i say it's more female dominated yeah, if the at least and indeed it feel, definitely feels more female dominated. I don't know if that's like based off of just how we hire or yeah, I, I think it generally tends to be more female dominated. Uh yeah, I'd say so. But there are like some of it's weird because also some of the best designers in the world, if you looked at that in terms of like how they're ranked and like most I shouldn't even say best, the most like well-known in the design field, those people tend to be male dominated, that group of people, like a lot of the people and like who initiated Apple and who are in like Google Ventures and um, working in like different design studios, like those are usually started by men and then dominated by men. Wow. So not too different from many other fields. Yeah, no, unfortunately not. (laughs) Like, do you ever feel that power dynamic of like being in the patriarchal space if if it is like mostly women? I I shouldn't say male or female. I guess I should say like more of the general gender, like men or women, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, do I feel... Oh, okay. Power dynamic with working with like male designers versus female designers. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of all the male designers I've worked with. I don't. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> just one came to mind that I was like, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> I remember this. I think. Wait, oh, really? Yeah, probably. I think I've, yeah. Um, that was actually, no, I'm not going to bring up when or where it was. And I was frequently like paired up with him or like I was frequently like the developer for him, for his designs. And looking back, I I think it's helped me a lot in the way that I view my work uh, in the sense that I think I, in the beginning, I, like I mentioned, like I was taking a lot of it more like personally not in like an offensive way but just like bringing myself down and being like oh like I couldn't make it exactly how we wanted or like 
oh, like maybe I'm not good enough. Like if he had maybe gone to like a more senior developer, it would have been better. And so I think it's helped me in the sense of like refining my skills and like him being very specific in particular about what he wanted uh, made it so that I just, my skills were more refined, but also it helped me develop more of my confidence and my, because my skills got better, my confidence, my ability to do things, to develop different designs that were thrown at me got better. And then just kind of, that was all like a, a cycle at once. So I think in many ways, I'm glad that I had that experience. There was, that's like the only person I could really think of off the top of my head. In other experiences, they've been quite, uh, I think the only times there's like miscommunication is just not understanding how developers work versus how designers work. And sometimes they like they might think they'll ask for like a change last minute and not realize that that's actually a really big ask on the development front. But just a simple conversation of like, oh, well, this is everything we'd have to update would kind of fix that. But for the most part, I think everyone's, all the designers that I've worked with, like male or female, are quite uh, reasonable and like pretty easy to work with. I would say the women are like by far more people pleasing. I don't know if that's the right word. Like uh, very much like, oh, is that okay? Like, can we do this? Can we make that work? Like, is that asking for too much? Oh, I don't want to stress you out. Like they're, they'll make comments like that a lot more when I work with them versus men are just kind of like, yeah, can we do this? Cool. This is what I want it to look like. All right. Done. End of conversation. It's more like just straight to the point. It's not like offensive or talking down to me. It's just more of like, all right, here's the thing. Um, yeah, but that, that's always interesting. I think at least I can think of three women that I've worked with that have been much more, uh, like, yeah, I guess people pleasing is a word, but, or I don't know, like overly considerate. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's lovely to work with them, but it's, it's also like, oh, it's okay. You're fine. So it's funny because, well, so are these people that are also design engineers or are they like designers, like specifically designers? Oh, so they're not like the software engineers. No. So they're like designers that I've like developed their stuff. Yeah. So they're like internally other designers. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm just trying to like equate it to like our engineers versus, cause like for us, we have the engineers and then the project managers and the project managers are basically like the designers giving you like the ask on what you Mm. need to do. Um, Our project man, I feel like these are project managers in general, like across industries where they're very like depending on the company you don't have to have a technical background which my company and uh the the less the project managers tend to know about what you're doing the more difficult they are to work with especially I mean especially men I've only worked with I worked with two female project managers well I'm done with my rant I think we're nearing an hour do you have any more questions? I'm happy to answer. I feel like it also, the second half became more about education and like, yeah, um, work stuff. But I like how whenever we start talking, you never know where it's going to go. Very true. Very organic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because I feel like if we just stuck to one topic the whole time, that it, it wouldn't really reflect our friendship and how yeah. right. our perspectives are. And my self-diagnosed ADD. <laughs> uh, you think I have that too. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, what do you find the most rewarding about your job? Ooh, definitely knowing that I solved a problem for someone. Like they're able to more easily get reliable candidates or they're able to more easily uh, evaluate their home uh, appraisal or something, or I don't know, any kind of like design problem you can think of or like navigate a city better, um, can get connected to a doctor. It's more straightforward for somebody like just knowing that like I made their, or I, I helped to make their life lives easier. I'm not going to take all the credit because it's definitely like I won part of a very bigger piece of the puzzle, like the project managers and the engineers and everyone. So 
yeah, it's just nice to know that like you helped loosen up some friction. Yeah, it seems like you have a very clear, like higher purpose of what you do every day. Like it's, it's always working towards that purpose in some way or another. Yeah, it's nice to have like a North Star because it makes the bad days not as bad because you kind of know, like you just look up and you're like, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. I just keep going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, Shivani, you look so nice. I meant to say this earlier, but. Okay. I was gonna. I was thinking. I was yeah, like, I thought about wait. this like five <laughs> times, and I just kept thinking for the right moment. But uh-huh. I, we kept having like great points coming up. But um, yeah, yeah, it's I like liked your. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, like the, the earrings with the sweater and your hair. I don't know. You just like look. I love nice. the little side bun that you have. Yes. Going. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It looked like a like one of those like professionally like put back. Up yeah, like years. the wedding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Making me blush good (laughs) I think it's the I've just been putting in more effort like with makeup and jewelry and all that stuff since I've been going back in person to school because when I was all virtual I was like I don't give a shit yeah like no fun yeah (laughs) and I yeah I just feel like like I sit in front of my window and it's just like a giant light over my face and you can't see anything so I zero effort yeah I would like never wash my hair last year (laughs) just be like a ball of grease in the back (laughs) i found out a way to brush it so we couldn't tell all right we can't really do that (laughs) things i miss actually i mean yeah because most of my job is still like i don't go in um but the two days a week i do go in i rotate my two nice outfits and i slap on some some face paint rock up waiting to get harassed oh. <laughs> so are you like in your office in person or is it are do you going are you going to the sites in person uh so now I do more site work but it's usually like once possibly twice a week um and I can go anywhere in Massachusetts or Rhode Island uh, but I'll probably be turning up less at the office, like the more I do on site work. I think it's also just like I haven't had a ton of projects yet, so we shall see. But uh, Rhode Island, yay, Plant City, so, yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, every time I'm gonna rely, I'm getting Plant City, like yes. I have to. Um, oh my god, I went to Newport recently, and um, there was a Plant City there, and oh, that's right. Not as good as the uh, Providence Plant City. Oh man! You know what's yeah. sad? Um, oh, so me, me and Aiden went, and it was amazing. Like, definitely some of the best vegan food I've ever had. But something he ate, or something he had before, really effed up his stomach. So, like, no. almost he exited the restaurant. He just like projectile vomited into the river. <laughs> I was, he was fine. Though. <laughs> no. Totally fine. Wait, what did you? Did you eat at Bas- was it Bassina? Bassine something? Yeah, yeah it was La Bassina. Oh. Something he had before didn't sit right. And then the food just made. He probably can never go to Plant City again then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're determined to make it work. Oh, no. <laughs> so delicious. Wait, but you were fine, right? So hopefully. Yeah, I was just very full and very happy. Oh. <laughs> damn poor Aiden yeah (laughs) Yeah. wow (laughs) but uh I love plants I'm going back there as soon as possible I miss it I will go with you because I haven't been since you took me and that's not okay because I we can't just like go to Providence like get like an Airbnb or something yeah let's do it have a romantic weekend together I've only really ever yeah. yeah I feel like I want to spend more time there. It seems really cute. I could actually live in Providence technically, but I have to finish my um my master's. So mm. I've definitely considered it too. It's just a really nice like seaside town. Has a good artsy vibe. I really like all the artistic stuff. There's also a ton of other vegan places near Plant City. Like it's if you cross the river that I never checked out and I regret that. Oh man, we just got to spend the whole day eating, which we can yeah, yes. do. Yeah, we might want to cut the that part out as well. <laughs> okay. um, gotcha. 
<laughs> but I mean, I talked about like drugs already. So no, you talked matter. about your friend. My friend. Exactly. Not, not one of us. No, 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 no one here or mm-hmm. anyone knows at all. <laughs> this friend Joel's been listening. Public. <laughs> yes, bags. Joel listened to that one and like a couple other episodes. Oh, he was in the colonialism. Can we give him a Ooh. shout out? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joel. Hey, Joel. <laughs> nice also, to meet you. A software. <laughs> Also a software engineer, so yeah. Woo woo. Mm-hmm. Which was his favorite episode? Did he say? Um, I'll ask. I, I remember you said he wasn't expecting it to get this deep. Yeah, and I was like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, uh, we're all really emotional people. We should be yeah. more shallow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, what's that, Daddy? Call her Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I think I listened to like one episode and I was like, I can't do this. Same. I tried. I really tried. Yeah. But I heard um after the girl left, because did you hear about all that drama? Some drama went. There was some, I can't remember what it was. There was like a ton of drama that ended in like. And then did they recently reunite? I don't know, man. I got to read this article again. But um, I guess they're now like revamped a little where they talk about more important things and they have like better guests and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I haven't listened Ooh. to it recently. I'll have to look into it. I haven't listened yeah. to any of it yet. I'm just amazed at the, their the income. Following. <laughs> yeah. How and much our income. Uh, a lot. I'm probably in the six figures range. I heard it was like five million or something. Oh yeah, it was oh yeah, like no, it's million. like twenty to eighty million, somewhere between there. <laughs> Shut up! Makes Shut your mouth. From it's six million. I just looked it up. Six million. Okay, still a lot, off. but still a lot. Yeah, and uh, we are negative twenty dollars from that microphone that we <laughs> don't use. <laughs> We should do some advertising. That was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I super appreciate. I'm shocked that the, this is the best quality one. Sad. Yeah. Maybe for like Zoom meetings or something, it will work better. I don't know. Like work meetings. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I've never tried it. <laughs> Just bring your microphone into work. <laughs> Stay on your desk. Like. <laughs> and we, <laughs> I'm podcasting my work experience today. <laughs> Shall Office we ASMR. record like our closing for that? Yes. yes. We hope you enjoyed our conversation on design. We definitely delved into other topics that are relevant to our lives. Um, because that's just what we do on this podcast. As always. Yeah. Catch us next Sweet. time. It's a little shout out. Yay. <laughs> <A little> shout- <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, with a little- shout out, Joel, if you listen to this. <laughs> ah, Joel. Yeah. Joel. Woo. Woo. Bye, guys. Bye, friends. Bye. <laughs>